What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to the News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter, joined by Craig Ackerman of AT&T Sportsnet. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I, uh, you know, trying to not melt here in the summer and uh, looking forward to the start of the season. Yeah, Houston heat is, is pretty bad, but Vegas heat is like, it's like a, a different planet. I feel I felt like I was it's on Mars. It's a dry heat. Yeah. It's, it's like being in a convection in a convection uh, oven in the summer, like there in Phoenix. It's pretty oppressive, but you don't like sweat like within the first three seconds of stepping outside. It's not something I would go to by myself, like for leisure. It, it's definitely not some place I would go for a week again. Like that, that was definitely a regret of mine. So that's not something I'm going to do again. Oh, we're talking about going to Summer League? Yeah. Or, no. Was, just, I've never been to Summer League. That was the experience. Outside of dealing with the, the weather. I think I saw like 15 Elvis impersonations. Like, like I, 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 literally everywhere you went, there was like an Elvis impersonator on the street or some Chippendales guy. Like it, it, it was just a lot. It was a lot to handle. I enjoyed it, but I, th- I think being in there for seven days is just a little much. Been there, done that kind of thing moving forward for you. Yeah, it's going to be a four or five day thing from now on. Definitely. <laughs> well, the heat's not going away from Vegas, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So, last time I had you on was just before free agency, and we talked about how limited the Rockets were and how they would probably snag someone for the tax MLE, but other than that, we didn't really expect them to make a splashy move because of the limitations. I guess we were wrong, huh? Uh, yeah. Um, I was. I was actually, when I heard the initial news, I was on a plane taxing uh, to, uh, to, to fly back to, to Houston uh, and was just um, shocked, <laughs> I think much like everybody else was, um, that the Rockets were going to be trading Chris Paul and picks for Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, obviously this, is, um, this has been an organization, at least under Daryl's watch, that um, has... He's constantly tried to make the big, uh, splashy moves, and has certainly done uh, his his fair share. But this one was, uh, again, I know the Rockets were rumored, uh, you know, leading up after had Paul George had been dealt to the Clippers, they had rumored to have been involved in in trying to get Russell Westbrook. But uh, the, being rumored to do so and actually getting him were two different things, and I was I was shocked just like everybody else. Yeah, and I didn't even believe those rumors initially. Like, like I know Sam Amick's a credible reporter and all, but like the fact that he said other other general managers around the league were expecting the Rockets to get involved. Like, I was like, okay, because like I, it just well, did. My my answer to that is is water wet, and the answer is yes. I mean, the Rockets are always trying to get involved in those kinds of things. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's just Russell Westbrook does not strike me as a Maury player. Now, I guess. 
he is a Mori player in that he is a superstar, but it, just the his play style, everything about him, like the analytics community is not very fond of him. Uh, but Mori went out and got him. Yeah, the, 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 it will be a very interesting uh, fit to say the very least. I, I agree with your sentiment. He doesn't does not fit into the prototypical uh, Rockets kind of player. Very inefficient offensively, especially last season. Um, probably the worst volume three point shooter in the history uh, of the league. But there's no arguing uh, his incredible level of talent. I think he's one of the three most athletic guys. Uh, in the league, the Rockets certainly needed to add uh, an element of athleticism, and they did that uh, in spades here with Russell Westbrook. And I think ultimately the 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 the, the key for this team moving forward is, between the coaching staff and the players and Russ and James and so forth is how can the Rockets harness the good Russ and limit the bad Russ? Because when the the, the news of the trade went down, of course, me like everybody else, people dig you know, dug up a, an old tweet from like five years ago when I basically mentioned, you know, uh, live by the Westbrook, die by the Westbrook. I'm assuming that was a game involving Houston and Oklahoma City in which Russ was terrific early and then probably got a little too crazy late and the Rockets ended up uh, winning the game. And I think that's kind of the, the, the key here for the Rockets. they got to harness the good Russ, limit the bad Russ, and I think the Rockets feel with their style – and their system and their philosophy and their culture and James's prior relationship with Russell Westbrook, that, they, that they will be able to do that successfully. We'll, have, we'll just have to find out. See, I know the Rockets feel that way, but do you feel that way? Personally, if it can happen, honestly, I have no idea. I mean, if you told me right now um, that the Rockets would win the championship, my reaction to that would be, well, we'll have to wait and see. If you told me that this is not going to work whatsoever, my reaction would be, well, we're just going to have to to wait and see. I, I really don't know how this is this is going to go. I will admit, and, 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 I, and I think I've, I've, met, I've admitted this publicly broadcasting, I am a Russell Westbrook fan. Um, I always have been. I know that obviously he's rubbed a lot of, especially when you go back and forth with the MVP race between he and James a couple of years ago, and I certainly think that James deserved to win, to win the MVP uh, that, that season. And I also must, Russell was definitely had an MVP caliber season in the same way that Giannis, in my opinion, was certainly um, uh, uh, a deserved winner of the MVP this year, although, again, I thought James should have been the MVP guy again in the league. But that's neither here nor there. But I've always been a Westbrook fan from the standpoint standpoint that if you're going to go to an NBA game and you want to be wowed by a professional athlete, uh, he's on the extreme short list with guys like LeBron and Giannis and James and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Like when you go to an NBA game, somebody came up to me uh, who had never been to an NBA game in person and said, Hey, I want to go to my first game. Who, who would you recommend I go see? Russ would be on the short list. He's a force of nature. He's a freakish athlete. He plays exceptionally hard. He does have his flaws, but from that perspective, I, I have been a Russell Westbrook fan, and again, I think if it, at, at worst, it's going to be a super exciting season just watching how this thing how this thing ultimately plays out. No, I agree. I agree. It's going to be very interesting, and it's going to take a lot of give and take. You know, I wrote about this a couple of days ago, and 
these guys are both two of the highest usage rate guys in NBA history, not just over the yeah. past couple of years, NBA history. Uh, it's going to take a lot of give and take. Like It's not just sacrificing the basketball. These guys are going to have to do things when they don't have the basketball that they aren't accustomed to doing. Like James just has to set and be ready to catch and shoot and attack closeouts. That's something he, he didn't even do when Chris Paul was here. Russell Westbrook has to cut. Like he has to cut to the basket. This is this is yep. these are things that Oklahoma City fans were harping on him to do, and uh, he didn't do that when Paul George was acquired by the, the team. So it, it's going to take a lot, and ultimately, like I'm not sure if they'll be, if they'll ever be able to get there uh, at that same synergistic level that even the same level that that Chris and James are at. So if they can just get to like 75 percent there by the playoffs, like as a synergistic combo. They'll be fine, but it's it's still going to take a lot. And Mike D'Antoni has to get creative here. I know he's talking about how it's really hard to change two MVP caliber players with the amount of usage rates that they had. He's still going to have to make some sort of adjustment because the Rockets can't play the same way that they have been over the past few years. I agree with everything that, that you said. Um, I know how, The willingness of, of these two guys, I don't think they need to change their games drastically, but I agree with everything. Um, that you said. I think Russ, particularly Russ, would be a more devastating uh, cutter uh, than James. Um, I think James obviously would be a much better catch-and-shoot guy uh, than Russell Westbrook. Um, but no, they're, they're, they're going to have to change uh, their games in, in some form or fashion. Uh, what that ultimately looks like, I mean, obviously we'll have to find, we'll have to find out. Um, but, I, you know, I, you would, again, I go back to the point that I make. You would think that because they've had a lengthy relationship, and I realize that they're two very different people and players now than they were when they began their careers together in Oklahoma City. But they have played with one another uh, before. That you you would think that there would be the the willingness and the acceptance to change their games a little bit. I think ultimately that that that's going to be the key. I think the onus is on Mike and the coaching staff, and it's on these two guys in particular to to make this work because um, the NBA is a players' league. And the NBA, even even more directly, is a uh, upper echelon superstar players league. If you don't have one and or at least two, if not three or more of these guys who are in the top fifteen or twenty players in the league, you have no opportunity to even compete for a championship. And that it doesn't matter who's your coach, who else is on your team. It's a top end talent league, and the Rockets have two of those guys, and uh, they're going to have to try to find to make it work if they ultimately um, want to achieve the level of success that they say uh, they want to achieve. And I think that will be the, the fascinating part of this. I, I will say it's weak review. Obviously, it's not too long ago, but everybody said, you know, the James Harden and Chris Paul thing couldn't work going into um, season number one. And the coaches and players found out that that very well could work uh, quickly in training camp. It didn't take very long for those two guys to kind of get on the same page in that regard. Obviously, there's been some issues in terms of style since that point, but uh, I hope it, it, that that helps sooner rather than later. But the hard part is getting elite talent. The Rockets certainly have that. And, uh, again, we'll just have to see how this thing how this thing plays out. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fun. Um, and uh, I think a lot of Rockets fans are, are going to be uh, very intrigued, again, at minimum, to see if, if this pairing can ultimately get them over the hump and into the finals and ultimately win a title. Yeah. Intriguing is an understatement. It, it, it's going to be, it, it's, it's just, it's going to be really fascinating. It's going to be really fascinating. And we'll get to more of that later, but I first want to touch on Chris Paul's time with Houston 
because I feel like we're kind of just brushing over that. And I was listening to the Ringerous NBA podcast, and I heard Chris Ryan describe the pairing of Chris Paul and James Harden as an experiment. And that really rubbed me the wrong way because it wasn't an experiment. Like It was an unmitigated success. The Rockets won 65 games and nearly made the NBA Finals, if not for Chris Paul's hamstring going out. What I... Yeah, and what I dislike about the rhetoric around the NBA is like when a team or superstar tandem doesn't work or doesn't win a championship, it's labeled as a failure. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Chris Paul's time in Houston was brief, but it was significant. It was all the above. Um, It was more than successful. They ultimately went up against one of the five best teams in the history of the sport. And you can make an argument, and this is where I, I will make the argument, it was the greatest collection of talent in the history of the league and the Golden State Warriors, and they were a Chris Paul hamstring away from getting past them and ultimately winning a championship. Um, I thought Chris's time here was terrific. Uh, the best regular season in franchise history in year one, and again, they ran into just a bus on nobody really assault the Warriors' puzzle outside of LeBron James, who you can make an argument is the greatest player in the history of the league and the Raptors this past year, who, unlike the Rockets, and I think that's how the, why this particular season ended in such disappointing fashion, they were able to take advantage of the Warriors' injuries when the Rockets were not. Um, but there was, you know, I don't, I don't believe in asterisk. You earn everything, and injuries are part of the game. Uh, but, the, but the Raptors took advantage of something that the Rockets weren't able to take advantage of. Obviously, Clay Thompson was still healthy at the time, and Durant was a guy who went down. But there was an opportunity missed there, and that's why the end of this particular season hurt so much. But I thought it was absolutely a roaring uh, success. I thought Chris Paul was an incredible professional. I really enjoyed dealing with him. He treated us all uh, very well. Uh, I wish him all the best in Oklahoma City or wherever else. Uh, he might end up, he will be in the Hall of Fame the second he's eligible to be nominated and elected to the Hall of Fame. He's had an amazing career, and, and I do think that ultimately in today's society, it, it's the, the notion of championship or bust, and if it's bust, then you're basically not worth anything, um, is sort of just a sad indictment of, of where we are. It's a really hard, it's really hard uh, to win at the highest levels in the NBA. Um, the Rockets have given it. Uh, their best shot going up again against again one of the five best teams ever to hit the floor. They couldn't get over that particular group. Uh, it was disappointing, but it doesn't make it any less doesn't make it non successful. And so I thought I thought the run was great. It worked to, again. What they were twenty one and four in the first twenty five games yeah, uh, in year, like year number one, right? Um, and uh, and went again went on to win sixty five games at the top seed in the West. I, I, you know, and again injuries are part of uh, sports. Uh, it hurt the Rockets. It ultimately did not work in their favor at the second go-around uh, last year. And now he's in a different spot, and the Rockets are in a different spot. And Again, we'll just have to see how this thing goes. If you could pick one moment from his tenure in Houston that sticks out to you, what would it be? No oh boy. Well, when you suggest that question, the first, the, first thing that, 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 the first thing that pops into my head was I believe part of the the twenty one and four start or what have you the first year? Uh, I think it was towards the tail end of those first twenty five games where the Rockets were down. Uh, I'm probably wrong on the numbers here. They were down by thirteen or fourteen points at the end of the third quarter at the end of a five game road trip, I believe it was in Portland. And Chris Paul was absolutely amazing. So was Trevor Reza, but Chris Paul was absolutely amazing in the fourth quarter. 
at Portland. The Rockets rallied from that deficit and won the game. And I think that was sort of the the exclamation point on all of the doubters who thought that James and Chris, it wouldn't work. Um, so to me, when you, that's the first thing that, that pops into my mind. That particular uh, game where he was just terrific in the fourth quarter, James hit some big shots, everything was working, uh, and the Rockets rallied to, to, to win that game on the back end of a very long road trip, which was very tough to do in a very tough environment against a really good Portland team. I remember that game. Like, I remember specifically Baxter Holmes. He write, he writes this great piece every year about schedule losses, and he has these he has these list of games that almost certainly are going to be losses for the for the team that's on the road. And the Rockets were listed to lose that game. I, I, and I remember like tweeting out before the game, like, yeah, the Rockets are probably going to lose this game. Like it's just the probability they're, they're exhausted. You, you just know they don't have a lot of the tank. And I remember that that specific game. I was like, man, this team can win a championship. Like, I remember that specific game being like, okay, yeah, this team is for real. Like, this team could go up against the Warriors and, and give them a good shot. Um, for me, it was that series against the Jazz two years ago. I'm not sure if people remember how well the Jazz started to defend Houston in that series. But I feel like the Rockets, like, were in a slog offensively because the Jazz were essentially mimicking the kind of defense the, Spur- the Spurs paid on Houston the year before where it was like, Close out hard on the threes. Drop your big back to meet James Harden at the rim. And instead of Pal Gasol, they had Rudy Colbert. Uh, they left the mid-range wide open, and Chris Paul just feasted. He had 27 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists in Game 4. And in Game 5, he had 41 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. And I just remember feeling like, okay, this is it. This is Chris Paul's crowning career moment. He's hungry as hell. He wants to win this championship. Uh, it's unfortunate that never happened, but that moment in particular sticks out to me. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, now that you mentioned that, um, and he had some some pretty it's some highlight reel plays where he made Gobert look silly, uh, and that was a, a, a nice added element of Chris Paul and the Rockets. Um, you know, there's a misnomer that the Rockets absolutely positively under any circumstances will not take mid-range shots. That's just not true. There's just very few guys in the league who can actually shoot those at a level that makes it palatable. Um, most guy, More guys can shoot league average for three than they can at the percentage of 45, 48, 50% on those mid-range twos to make it justifiable to do that. But Chris Paul is certainly one of those guys. And, and in series like, and look, and, and you saw that uh, the way that uh, Milwaukee defended the Rockets uh, this past season with, with Lopez and Giannis walling off one-third of the floor. Um, this is the way the Rockets are probably going to be defended quite often. Uh, moving forward and having the element of Chris Paul and his ability to consistently knock down some of those shots, especially around the break-the line area, kind of loosen things up. And I think that's going to be an element um, that they're going to miss uh, without him. Uh, I think more people confuse the, the Chris Paul with the contract as opposed to Chris Paul, the player, oh, yeah. in, in the yeah. last couple of years. Um, it's unfortunate. Now, you always have to consider the contract when it comes to to finances and cap situations and so forth. But I, I still think Chris Paul has, has, has game left. Um, I think it's, there's no doubt that he's on, on the verge of, of the decline, much like everybody else when they hit their mid thirties. Um, but uh, again, I, I thought that his, his tenure here was, was very successful. Ultimately it was not to the level of success that everybody was, was hoping, but I, I, I thought it worked out again. He treated everybody with the utmost professionalism, uh, and I really enjoyed uh, him uh, in his brief time on, on the team. 
Yeah, in our last podcast, we talked about how, like, I thought last year was kind of an anomaly shooting year for him. Like, I, th- I think, I-, I still think this. I still think Chris Paul is due for a bounce back year this year. Like, I, I think uh, he was recovering from that hamstring injury, and, you know, he had to work some kinks out. And I think this year he's going to get the shooting percentages back. I think he's going to get, he's going to finish at the rim a little bit at a higher percentage. And I think a, a lot of people are going to start to remember, like, why Chris Paul was so great for Houston in that first year. And I think, I think it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch how good OKC does with, with Chris Paul and Gallo and uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Steven Adams. That, that team's going to be really fun to watch. That point you mentioned about Chris Paul's contract and people not being able to distinguish him, the player, away from that contract, I think it's really key. Like, I think people got really caught up in what Chris Paul might be in years three and four of that contract, and we're not appreciating how good he potentially could be for Houston years one and two of that contract. Like, I, th- I thought he was I thought he was pretty good last year. I, th- I thought he was due for a bounce-back season next year. And I thought even if the Rockets brought back that same core, I thought that team was ready to contend again. Uh, it, it certain, I mean, they had a continuity uh, in their back pocket. Continuity is, is a, in limited uh, supply these days in the league with all the, the, the player movement. But um, I, I, I still think he has, he has a lot of quality basketball um, left in him. And again, I don't have any negative things to say uh, about Chris Paul's time here. All the stories... I, like there's been enough reported. Like I never saw anything, ever, not one time, not one sign of tension ever between those two guys. Now, like I wasn't in the locker room every single day with those guys, but they sat next to one another on every flight all year long, even to the end. Um, I think there were it's been again reported, and I think it's been sussed out enough where people have talked about it, where there were some stylistic differences, but no, no, nothing outside of the norm. Um, in in uh, you know in, in in usual circumstances with with teams um, and um, you know again I realize the Rockets said that they weren't going to trade him uh, after all that stuff but uh, my guess is that when ultimately they do have a press conference on this um, they're going to say that there was extenuating circumstances which there certainly were uh, after everybody was absolutely shocked in the middle of the night uh, that Paul George was being traded to the Clippers as part of the Kawhi Leonard signing. Um, and it made Russell Westbrook uh, available, and the Rockets uh, again surprisingly uh, made this move, and uh, and uh, it'll it'll be fun to see how how it plays out. Yeah, listen, circumstances change in the league. Like I don't think anyone, even Daryl, could could admit this. Like no one saw that Paul George trade coming. Like no one saw Ka- Kawhi moving behind the scenes to try recruit Paul George. So I I think I think Daryl does a little bit of a breakdown. I don't think he even saw that that opportunity to land Russell Westbrook being potentially available. I thought most people thought that OKC was potentially going to run it back this season. But I'm glad you brought up that reported tension between Chris and James because I think a lot of people have come out and said, well, obviously this move means there was tension between the two and Chris was lying and about not demanding a trade and so was Daryl. And I just think that's BS. Like, I was asked about this on radio this week and I'll just say what I said then. I think there was creative friction after Game 6 about the how the Rockets wanted to play offense, like, like you said, that stylistic difference. Beyond that, in the Vincent Goodwill article, it described it described a formal trade demand, and I said this before, and I'll say it again. Once you put the words f- "trade demand" in your article, double checking isn't enough. You have to be as close to 100 percent as you possibly can. Daryl came out and denied it, and so did Chris. You can be skeptical of their d- denials, but if you want. Other credible reporters came out and refuted Goodwill's report. What really stuck out at me was 
in that report they talked about how they hadn't spoken to each other in four months and yeah that that i can absolutely speak on because they sat next to each other on the plane the whole season they didn't that was completely wrong again i don't know the inner workings of, of those two guys individual conversations just like you know i mean in our everyday lives when you talk with a friend if nobody's sitting in on that you don't know what's going on there so i can't speak to that but that part of it i thought was just completely sensationalized uh and and wrong and as you said there there have been multiple other uh, respected uh reporters who have reported on this and basically said yes um there was there were some tensions stylistic differences you name it. I mean, I'm off to the PJ Tucker. I think he's even admitted it publicly. I think he yelled at teammates more than than anybody. Um, right. It happens. Um, you know, you don't get along with everybody. You don't get a, get along with. A, it's not rose petals and lollipops with everybody you deal with on an everyday basis. Uh, there are disagreements. There are arguments. Um, there are issues. Uh, but I thought that was completely blown, uh, overblown. And I, I agree with the sentiment that the the oh told you so people since this particular trade went down, are just trying to, um, you know, they're just trying to, to pour on to a sensationalized story where they're just, they're, they're, the, the likes just were not there, in my opinion. Right, and, and I can verify the same thing. Like, I saw these guys joke around all the time. Like, these guys seem to be on the same page up until that game six. Like, I, I and that's all we saw. Like, that's all we saw from them. And these guys seem to be hand-in-hand hand, and up until that you know the the postseason ended. I I didn't even sense that there was any sort of tension there. Game six was bitterly disappointing to everybody, right? Um, I mean that that was that was a that was a very bad feeling for for everyone, and I'm sure it affected the, the guys in the locker room more than it did anybody outside of that of that particular locker room. There were there was significant disappointment there because uh, again the warrior the talk of going into that series when Durant went out the. the the laughable joke, or the laughable tape that the Rockets choked, I don't buy either. The Warriors have more than enough talent left to, to win that series, which they ultimately did, even without Durant. That Durant, They had the core of the team that won 73 games a couple of years ago. I mean, Steph Curry is one of the five best players in the league. Klay Thompson, Draymond Green are one of the 20 best players, two, two more of the 20 best players in the league. They have plenty of talent to win that series, but from a Rockets perspective, it was about, okay, Durant went down and they lost, you know, their, their best guy, uh, and and they that the opportunity was there to take advantage of that, and they didn't. And, that, and that's why that was that was so bitterly disappointing because there was a chance that they didn't they didn't they didn't take hold of it. The owner was upset, the coach was upset, the fans were upset. Um, you know, uh, everybody, the GM was upset. Everybody was upset uh, following that 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 that, that loss, that series loss, this go around at Golden State because it was a missed it was a missed opportunity. And I can only imagine how pissed off the guys were in the locker room. Right, Tillman like organized this unorthodox press conference after the game because he was so pissed off. Uh, yeah, you're right. Everybody was upset. And I think the point you mentioned about people underrating the Warriors talent, I think that's still going on. Like. Like Steph scored thirty three points in that second half to to drive the Warriors to victory. It was incredible. God, right? Was he good the second half? Yeah. And Andre Iguodala scored like he had five of eight from three point range, and he was he just wasn't missing. And the Rockets needed him to miss really badly. And in that particular game, he just wouldn't miss. And I remember like 
that that was just an impossible harder to get over. And I think even going into this season, I think the Warriors are being overlooked a little bit. I think, you know, people have the team 100%. Easy, easy. Like the talk of them not making the playoffs is laughable. Right. And they're different. Yeah. They're, they're different, but come on. Yeah. Come and, on. And this talk about them being a low seed, like I think they could be a, a pretty solid middle of the pack and even when Clay gets healthy, even push to try and get a top four seed. Like I don't think that's they're completely... really they're not gonna be the same team, but they're a playoff team right. without a doubt. Right, I agree. So the Rockets also made some other deals this summer. Uh, I know Russell Westbrook is the headliner, but the Rockets had an eventful offseason. Uh, they brought back uh, Austin Rivers for a two-year vet minimum deal, second-year non-guaranteed Dan- Daniel House for a $12 million three-year deal. Uh, I th- and I thought that deal was pretty good value for what the Rockets got from us from Daniel House last year. Gerald Green got brought back for a vet minimum deal. Tyson Chandler uh, to replace Nene, who opted out of his deal. Um, give the Rockets a grade for their offseason. Uh, boy. Um, if I, was, I would probably... Well, I mean, it, it, it's A-plus for Splash Factor. Uh, there's no question about that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think a lot of people just get, get excited for change, just for change's sake. So I certainly give that... Uh, an, an A plus. Uh, you know what? I, at this point, I probably give them a B overall. Uh, I, you know, I think I like like most people would 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 like to see them sign one more rangy, athletic uh, wing guy uh, to help them, you know, defensively and rebounding wise. Um, I think that's still a hole on this team that I would like uh, to ultimately see filled. Um, you know, I, I'm not ready to completely. You know, there's still plenty of offseason left. Left, and we've seen. You know, Daryl's made made moves into to August uh, several times during his tenure, so I'm interested to see whether or not that ultimately comes uh, to to fruition. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, um, a solid B. I think I, I thought the Rockets, I think we may have talked about this uh, in, in, in the first thing, that, I, that they needed to get younger and more athletic. I, they absolutely did that um, with, with, with Russell Westbrook. Um, but I, I do think, like most people, I would like to see them to add one more piece to to play on the wing. I think it's you know, with free agency basically dried up, this could probably have to come uh, via free agency. Um, uh, I am curious. I know it hasn't been been announced yet, but the discussion about Anthony Bennett getting a non guaranteed deal. I, I I don't pay much attention to the to the G League outside of the Rockets guys who could go down there, but apparently he's been killing it. Um, down there and has sort of uh, remade uh, his game and has reflected more of the player that people thought he was going to be when he was selected number one overall. Um, who knows? I mean, knock on wood, maybe he ultimately uh, is is that is that guy. We'll have to, to find out and see. I mean, obviously, I mean, there was enough, uh, enough people who thought he was talented enough to be selected that high in the draft when when, when he came out, um, but I think I, I think a solid B. I think the the, issue, the thing is is that the the, um, the 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 rest of the West um, has like once again gotten better. Uh, I thought Utah's I think Utah's had a terrific um, off season. Uh, the pairing of LeBron James and Anthony Davis is extremely formidable. Um, I will admit I'm not a big Anthony Davis guy. I do think he's probably one of the three most talented players walking the planet but i've never if he's your lead banana uh then i don't he has not proven that he can consistently 
win games and elevate the level of play of those around him, but he's not with the Lakers with LeBron. And so to me, that's going to be an outstanding combination um, uh, for them. Uh, I think Denver's acquisition of Grant from Oklahoma City was was terrific. Um, I think he's a really good piece for them and, and will help negate some of the issues that they've had defending uh, the Rockets' high screen and roll. Um, uh, let's see here as we work uh, work down the, the – I know I'm missing – the Clippers obviously have improved uh, dramatically. I mean, they've kept the bulk of their core that was outstanding, and they're probably the deepest team uh, in, in, in the league. Um, Portland's had an – Interesting uh, summer. I, uh, there's not no a big fan. Team. I'm not a big fan. Um, uh, it depends on how engaged Whiteside will be. Yeah. Um, for them, um, I think ultimately that's that's the key until um, until oh my god, why am I? It's not Jokic. Why am I forgetting the guy's name? Um, Nurkic. Nurkic, who is a terrific player, until so he comes back um, from his injury again. Are they going to get the engaged to sign Whiteside, or, or are they not? I think. I think they probably are because you'll be in a in a new a new setting and, and a new surrounding. But they again, but they've lost some other guys and some other pieces, particularly on the wing. Uh, so they've had a very interesting summer. But uh, you know, um, I know I'm missing. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Who am I missing? Um, that's that's about it. So, yeah, but it, it's it's going to be tough. I think there's all, I think there are seven teams right now as we speak that are basically locks to make the playoffs in the West. What order they finish, I have no clue. Um, and there will be four, five other teams that have legitimate cases to play for one playoff spot in the West. I think that's ultimately how it's going to come down to. And that group will include Minnesota and Dallas and San Antonio. Uh, maybe the Sacramento Kings will finally get over the hump, depending upon uh, how things go uh, for them, but um, the West is uh, is going to be as as deep, as talented, and as wide open as it's ever been. Yeah, it took 48 wins to get into the playoffs last year for the Western Conference. I imagine it, that's going to stay about the same. Maybe go up a, a win or two. It's it's going to be really tough to make the playoffs in the West. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Portland. I'm not the biggest fan of their offseason. I, I really, I really thought they undervalued the. The additions of Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu. I, th- I thought those guys are really were really key from the past couple of years. And, I, and they lost Turner and they lost Lehman. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. It's going to be really tough to make the playoffs. And at least two of the teams we're mentioning are going to are going to lose in the first round. Like, and it's going to be really, oh, yeah. really disappointing. The playoffs are, are going to be fun. I'm glad the league has gotten back to a place of competitive balance. Uh, and I agree with you. I think the Rockets came out with a, about a B offseason, maybe a B plus. Like I, that's kind of where I'm at with them. Like and I, I felt this way kind of before the trade. Like I thought, I thought the signings they made were safe. I thought a lot of the si- signings they made last summer were, were pretty big gambles. You know, Marquise Chris, Brandon Knight. Um, MCW James Ennis like a lot of these signings I felt like were real were really risky Carmelo um and this summer they 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 went with proven additions proven guys who have played for them before and I I like it like I I I like the conservative nature of their offseason now I agree they could use one more rangy wing it'll be interesting to see if they try to target that this summer or wait until the buyout market 
uh, midseason uh, and try to get that wing there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Iman Shumpert. Uh, I don't know if they plan on bringing him back or not, but that would be a big addition for them if they can get a deal done. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Where they stack up in the Western Conference is the big question here. And like, I still see them as the one of the two most important teams in the Western Conference. And I, I realize the Lakers got a lot better with Anthony Davis. I still like the depth and the role players that the Rockets have a lot better than most of these teams. I, I think the Rockets have an, an aura of continuity. I know they, they just trade for Russell Westbrook, so it's it's kind of hard to say that. But they most of the roster is pretty much the, the exact same. And it's going to be interesting. Like I, I, I still believe this team is in decent shape to contend if they can work out some kinks with Westbrook and Harden. You know, maybe perhaps sacrifice a little bit more off the ball. It's going to be interesting. I agree. So I, I think the Rockets are still going to be up there amongst the best teams in the league. And I think we also talked a bit about this the last time we, that that you had me on. Uh, how important it is again for them to try to get the top seed in the West. Um, you know, I think they, that was a focus, uh, for sure the first year of Chris Paul and they got off to the amazing start last year. They got off to the horrible start and, and had to try to dig their way out literally from the bottom, uh, after they were 11 and 14. So I think they know the value of getting it going, uh, as, as soon as possible. I think the team, uh, admittedly did not have the best of training camps. Uh, last year and so with the bulk of those guys coming back I think they understand the importance of being focused and ready to go day one um, because I think as they run the got as you run the gauntlet as we talked about with all these teams in the west they have home court advantage over everyone right off the get-go um, is going to be extremely important just as it was two seasons ago where they got the game seven on their home floor the 0 for 27 happened, which was a, a freakish thing um, in and of itself. Uh, but they got the game seven on their home floor against the team that they they wanted to, to try to get it against. And again, it, it didn't happen. Um, but I, I hope that it comes together sooner rather than later. But again, they'll be a little bit different this year. Now, Mike Antonio's talked a lot about playing faster, and I certainly think with Russell Westbrook on the roster, they will be much more conducive. Um, to do so. The irony, I think, with that is that if people recall, they played relatively fast the first half of the first season that Chris Paul was was on the roster. And then when P.J. Tucker became a regular starter midway through that season, their pace of play dropped off a cliff. But so did their turnover rate. Uh, and, and they really, I thought, took significant better advantage. Of, that's a terrible phrasing. But they were much better uh, with their ball security uh, the last year and a half than they were before that. If they are going to play faster this season with two of the guys who turn the ball over as much, if not more than any two guys in the history of the sport, you're going to see, I think you're, you're going to have to pr- try to live with quite a few turnovers from this group with an increased pace of play and two guys who like to gamble, but can they can they find a way to, to mitigate some of those live ball turnovers with some easier scoring uh, opportunities in transition. I think ultimately with Russ being a younger player, you would like to see James Harden. They've talked a lot about it. Um, I think last year they, they really wanted to do it, but then the injuries did not give them an opportunity to do so. But you want to try to, 
you're not going to get James to do load management. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to sit out games on purpose. But if you can get him to reduce his minutes, um, say instead of playing 36, 37, 38 a night, if you can get those down around 32 minutes a game over the course of the season, I think those will add up to making him a fresher player um, at the end of the of the season. Um, and so I think, again, there, there are a lot of things that are going to have to work through, but they have elite talent. They have continuity. Don't forget, don't sleep on Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon is not an all-star caliber player, but he's close. He's really good. He's an outstanding fit uh, for this group. Um, I like the the ad of Tyson Chandler. I still think he has a little bit left on his tank. I thought from what we've seen from Nene, he had basically nothing left in the tank. I think Tyson Chandler still has a little bit left in the tank, especially as a role man you can throw the ball up to. You could not do that to Dene, uh any longer. Um, and so, um, again, um, it'll be the, you need elite talent to be successful in the league. The Rockets have two guys who will want an MVP, um, and it's up to them to, to, to make it work, and, and we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and the point you meant about them playing faster is going to be interesting. I, I, I do think they're going to increase the pace a little bit. They have to. This is about as devastating a downhill force as there is in the league. It, and so you want him playing moving forward as much as possible. In the open floor and in those situations, he's basically – He's basically unstoppable, um, and so I think that's that's going to be one of their goals. Are going to? I, I think it, you know. Not a lot of people criticize Russ for for hunting rebounds and hanging back. I'm wondering if they're going to. And the Rockets' biggest issue last year, their biggest Achilles heel was the lack of defensive rebounding. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to have him sit back, or they want him to play more on the on the perimeter for leak out. So when they do get rebounds, they can outlet the ball to him. And he can he can score in transition. These are things they're going to have to work out in training camp. I I ultimately think like the staggering that they did with Chris Paul is something that they will continue to do with Wesley Westbrook. I think that's something they kind of have to do. And I think these guys are going to take a dip in usage. Like they have to at this point. Like there's no way. Like James Harden is not going to go up in usage rate again for like the fifth consecutive season. I, I think at this point. We're going to see a tail off here and, and for the best, like his minutes, he has been playing a lot of minutes last season and, and they were taxing minutes, which is, which is, I think is a key point. Like they weren't, they weren't easy minutes. And I, I think, I think having Russell Westbrook is, is an easy way to alleviate some of that, that ball pressure. And I, I, th- I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do defensively too, because uh, these guys are not, are not guys known for defensive, pro- their defensive prowess. Chris Paul was, and how they figure that out along with the rebounding, along with the pace it's going to be interesting you can make an argument that both james and russ arguably had their best defensive seasons of their career last year now in the case of russell westbrook maybe was in part uh playing with paul george who was a legit mvp candidate uh for most uh, of that season and obviously some of the issues with him defensively are some of the same concerns that you have with james particularly when they're when he's off ball and tends to do some ball watching and so forth, but maybe some maybe the switching will will will, will mitigate uh, some of that stuff. I think it will also be fascinating to see whether or not they will post up Russell Westbrook, not as a post up scorer, but as a post up facilitator. I doubt the Rockets will post anybody up to try to score. They just don't do that. It's just not a smart way to play uh, anymore. But will they have him play with his back to the basket a little bit from the mid post from the high post as a as a facilitator, um, I think that'll be you know uh, interesting to see. I think kind of you saw some of that stuff with with uh, and Rick Adelman's offense a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's going to be 
I, I can't. I wish I, I'm trying to think of a different way to say fascinating, but I, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how this all plays out because on paper it does not seem like Russ is the ideal fit um, for this team, but he is one of the elite players in the league, and and it's just I think it's going to be absolutely. I mean, they're the Rock. You're going to see a lot more dunks. I think than you've seen in the last couple of years because the Rockets are arguably one of the least athletic teams uh, in the league. I think you're going to see a lot more of that, a lot more highlight real plays uh, from him. And I think it's going to get a lot of people um, excited. And I think the change of scenery for him um, will be good. He spent his entire career uh, in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think a change of scenery for him, uh, playing for a coach who lets his players do their thing, um, uh, I think will be um, invigorating. Uh, one would assume uh, for him, and uh, and hopefully he can you know shoot better than say thirty two percent from three as as opposed to below thirty percent. Um, I don't know what's happened to him at the free throw line the last couple of years, but you'd like to see that uptick to where he was previously, which was consistently up and above eighty percent. Because I think he's with the Rockets spacing and scheme. I think he's going to be getting a lot more opportunities to to shoot some free throws um, so uh, we'll see we'll see we definitely will craig where can we find you on twitter and see you this season uh ca underscore uh rockets and you'll see me on tv and on, on the radio again and the usual and i'm very much looking forward to uh start a training camp at the end of uh september preseason in october and then uh, the start of the regular season shortly thereafter for sure see you there craig thanks all right man thank you Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us five stars on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. And yeah, guys, good night.